Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Hello, beloved family. How are you? I pray that you're well. I've been, uh, we've been needing encores the past couple of days, and I apologize for that. But we are back with you, and I'm thrilled to be back with you. And uh, we're going to take our full half hour today for your calls and your emails. So anything you have on your heart, uh, call in the toll free number one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, and email it. Mother at thestationofthecross.com. I'm looking a little cross-eyed this morning. We rescued a, a big Australian shepherd, only two years old, but very frisky, and he picked my glasses as his target to chew on. So I have chewed up glasses. I can somewhat see, <laughs> and I need new glasses, but he's a sweetheart, and we found a home for him. Um, so God is good. We all need a home in this weather, um, and we all need uh, our eternal home, our eternal home in heaven, and that's what our life on earth is all about, not being successful, not having a great career, not assessing a billion dollars or a million dollars or a hundred thousand, only uh, helping to sanctify one another for heaven. That's our only goal. Our life on earth is very short. It doesn't mean we can't enjoy it. It doesn't mean we cannot be rich. But if we are rich, we need to know that we are rich by God's grace and that he has given us an abundance to help others. Nothing we have is for ourselves. Everything we have is for others. So, and the family is key. And in this crazy world, uh, including our church, which is uh, perfect and holy and without sin because our Lord is the essence of it. He, the church, is Christ who is holy and without sin and perfect. But we mess things up, and currently we're messing them up in, on a grand scale. And uh, the surprising scale is that it's coming from our shepherds and even the Vatican. So, what do we do? We don't doubt Christ. We don't doubt his uh, church. Um, but we trust the scriptures would say in the end times, cardinals will be against cardinals and false teachers will arise and if possible, even lead the elect astray. So we believe that. And I think we're in those times, whether those times are going to be another um, 10 years or 50 years or a thousand years, I don't know. But we're in those times. Everything, everything, everything points to those times. Um, and again, we don't know the length of them, but we are in a true apostasy, which began long ago with abortion, uh, the free and approved killing of millions of people within their mother's womb. Um, and uh, all kinds of atrocities. Uh, the enemy, I don't know if it's someone who said, I don't know if it was Napoleon, someone can call and correct me, but someone wanted to destroy the church. 
a gentleman said, I will destroy your church. And the answer came back, no, if we have not been able to destroy it from within, you will not destroy it from without. And so that's why Pope Paul VI said that Satan has entered the church, because it is the church, and he's learned that he cannot destroy it from without, but he has to destroy it from within. And he cannot destroy it from within unless he destroys the family. If he destroys the family, there are no vocations, there are no sacraments, uh, and that is the way to destroy the church. But he will not. He will not. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Mother, how do you have such faith, people have said, because God has given me the grace to believe. And I believe God, and I believe the scriptures, I believe what our Lord has said. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. He will lead it into all truth till the end of time. And Bishop Fulton Sheen said, in these days, it's going to be up to the laity because the bishops, the, the, uh, the priests, the clergy, even religious will just simply go astray and buy into the apostasy of our day. And so um, he said it'll be the lay people who save the church. Um, and so you are the lay people. And the family is the key to the survival of society. Absolutely the key. Um, and that's why I focus so much on the family, beloved. And the only thing for us as a civilization to do in these times is to return to um, living God's design for the family. There's no other way. There, you say, but mother, there's important things. I mean, abortion and contraception, it's all part of the family. And um, what about the election coming up? What about this? What about that? It's all important. And as citizens, we must vote and we must do what's right. The family is number one. Husbands, you need to lay down your lives for your wife, as Christ did the church. Yeah, but she's this and she's that, and she's not a, the best wife, and she's not a good mother, and she doesn't love me. And, and wasn't that the situation when Christ laid down his life for us? We didn't love him. We were uh, into all kinds of sin and selfishness, but he laid down his life for the church. And it's in, on that example that husbands lay down their lives for their wives, and that wives, you need to submit to your husband. Are you kidding? I'm not submitting to that man. Well, then you may not be in heaven. That is God's um, vocation for you, to submit to your husband, here's the rest of the sentence, as to the Lord. Many people say, well, God hasn't answered my prayer, but why didn't he allow me to suffer? Why did he allow my child to die? And why, why this and why this? We don't know the answers, but we know that God is perfect in his ways. And we are the cup and he is the potter. And the clay cannot say to the potter, it can, but it would be right stupid to say, why did you make me like this? Why did you do this? You could ask the questions. But the potter knows what he's doing. And our potter is God. Um, and we are the clay, blessed be his name. He knows what he's doing. He's given us a vocation. If we want to do it our way, he's given us the freedom to do it our way and, and to turn from him. He's given us, that's what I say about Adam and Eve in the garden <clears throat> who committed the original sin. Um, they simply um, said what Frank Sinatra put words to later, I'll do it my way. The music came later, but they said, I'll do it my way. And they didn't want God's way. 
they wanted their way. And to think that our, us little pipsqueaks could think that we have a better way than God's uh, way and that we could create our own happiness when we turn from our maker uh, is, um, it's, it's insanity. It is. But we uh, get so self-focused on, on our fix, on what we can do to shut out pain, on what we can do to live a happy life to change people, to be rich, to whatever it is. We are fools. The fool, the psalmist said, has said in his heart, there is no God. <clears throat> and we, for the most part, live as if there is no God. If we live as if there's a God, we will love. We will love our spouse. We will love our children. We will love our parents. Children will obey our parents, knowing that they are obeying God and obeying their parents. Children are not to judge their parents. They are simply to obey. Wives to obey their husbands. And children and wives in everything but sin. Sin is the only thing we don't obey. But if we think our parents or our spouse uh, has misjudged something or they're wrong, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. God has given no conditions for obedience. Except sin. It's the only thing we don't follow. So if our spouse gives a foolish order or decision... We obey. We obey as, as we are obeying Christ. We have an order of sisters here. I'm not the smartest um, uh, peg in the shop. I don't know what the expression is. <laughs> and some of the sisters um, uh, might be smarter than me. Notice I don't say they are, but they might. <laughs> I'm playing around. Um, some of them more spiritual than me, and I can tell you that's definitely the case. And yet, they may know more. They may judge better. They may be holier. But they need to obey what I say, not as robots, but in love. And again, unless I command them to sin, they, they must not obey that. But help me, God, help me that I'll never make such a command. Well, why does God want them to follow uh, an an errant command, something that's wrong, even though it's not sinful, something that's misjudged, something that misses the mark. Why would God allow you, you mother, to uh, say those things to them, and they're smarter than you or more holy, and they have to obey that? Well, they certainly have the option of saying, Mother, um, I wonder if you'd consider this or that. Yeah, but if I say, no, this is my decision, they obey, not as robots but as women who love God and who trust that in religious life, as in family life, God has given us the mechanism through superiors, through parents, to make us saints for heaven, not because everything is always the best decision, but because our responses to what we know better or want better uh, is what's going to form us. Not our knowledge, but our response our reaction, not our actions, but our reaction to misguided orders or to orders we think better of. It's our response, it's our submission to God through obedience that makes us saints. Um, there's the music for our first break, beloved. We'll come right back and continue and then um, have a half hour to ourselves at the second break. Toll free, the number is one 511 5483 We'll be right back. 
please join us in a prayer to St. Anthony of Padua. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O dear protector, St. Anthony, on this day we direct our fervent prayer to you, asking you to hear us and to intercede for us. We are parents who ask for peace in our families, our worthy occupations, and our daily bread. We are children who ask for divine assistance and protection in the hope of a successful and happy future. We are the needy poor, the afflicted, and sinners who come to you for help and grace. Therefore, speak on our behalf to that child whom you hold in your arms, and we are sure of being heard. Amen. of the Cross, we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received. I grew up Catholic Church, haven't been in the Catholic Church for decades, but I'm in the process of working my way back for the simple reason that I needed a place to listen to pro-life, pro-family messages, Catholic radio is it. It's a place to hear that message without all the political bias and all that that's going on on News Talk Radio. It changed my life. It's the only station I turn on. Catholic station is an answer to prayer. It just couldn't be more fulfilling. It's helped me learn more about the faith, and it's helped me to deepen my faith as a result of that. It's on continuously in my house, day and night. You can't imagine how much I receive from that channel. If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112. Then share your testimonial with us. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am she, and I am live. This is not an encore. I'm happier than you when that happens. I'm so happy. Um, We are talking about the family and the necessity of the family and God's design for the family. He has no other design than the family to get us to heaven. That's why he created Adam and Eve and said, be multiply and fill the earth. There's no plan B. It's the family. Now, there's many... um, helps and um, vocations apart from the family, but actually the only vocation apart from the family. The voca- family is rotten. Marriage and family is not a vocation, beloved. It is the reason that God created us. Be fruitful and multiply. That is the reason for the human race. The vocation within that is that God may call people out of that to be priests and clergy and religious that's it. That's the vocation. Not do I have a vocation to marriage or religious life. Everyone has a vocation to marriage unless God gives them a special calling to religious life. And so the family is so key in my heart, beloved, and we exist as a uh, religious congregation to help restore God's design for the family. I wish I had the power to restore it. Oh, I wish. I wish I could live to a thousand years old and be everywhere all at once and do what I can to help, but I can't. And so uh, we do whatever we can 
to um, to help people understand the importance of the family and its restoration. Um, with the fall of the family is the fall of culture, is the fall of civilization, and is the gain of the enemy. Voice of the Family, who I often refer to, and, and voiceofthefamily.com, I would, I would wish every single soul to get onto that website, voiceofthefamily.com, and, um, and subscribe. And subscribe to it. Um, there's no charge. And then there's a magazine, Calix um, Marie, which is, uh, the editor is Maria Medis, who coordinates or heads up Voice of the Family, and it means the Hail of Mary, how she will crush the head of the serpent. Everything that comes out of Voice of the Family is 10 plus, is absolutely excellent. And earlier this month, Robert DeMattei, Roberto, Professor Roberto DeMattei, who is a magnificent author and historian, wrote a two-part article titled The Origins of a Moral Revolution, Vatican II on Marriage and the Family. Vatican II, The Origins of a Moral Revolution. And it's Vatican II on Marriage and the Family. And this is part one, which I'll begin to read today. And I predict that we will not conclude that by the second break, which means we'll continue with it tomorrow. And Professor Matai begins, The Advancing Threat to Catholic Teaching on Marriage and the Family, discussed in the article, Fiducia Supplicants and the Challenge for 2024, which I read to you, on, I believe, on Friday is also a call for faithful Catholics to deepen their understanding of the roots of the moral revolution within the Church. This article, which will be published in two parts, the one I'm reading now, was originally written by Professor Robert DiMattei as an introduction to the Italian reprint of Draft of a Dogmatic Constitution on Chastity, Marriage, the Family, and Virginity. One of the preparatory schemata fatefully rejected at the beginning of the Second Vatican Council. This schema was reprinted during the Synod on the Family in 2014-15 in response to the attempts to spread the revolutionary tendencies sown during the Council, which continued to bear bitter fruits in our time. <clears throat> oh, I can't believe I just did that. My goodness. Hold on. I just... Hold on now. I got it. I got it back. Sorry. Um, hold on. I'm so sorry. I keep... Um, I keep shutting down these articles. I have a very, very sensitive um, mouse here. Okay, I've got it back. Thank you, Lord. In what manner did the Second Vatican Council address the issue of marriage and the family? Now, this is the Second Vatican Council. That's not even up to the Synod on the family yet, which broke my heart in ten pieces. In what manner did the Second Vatican Council address the issue of marriage and the family? The question is worth posing, not only out of academic and philological uh, interest, 
but in order to better understand the roots of the current crisis concerning the family and Christian marriage. To better answer the question, one cannot limit oneself to a hermeneutical discussion of uh, paragraphs 40 to 7 to 52 of the pastoral constitution, Gaudium et, Gaudium et Spes, the only conciliar, conciliar document that details directly with the family, but must consider Vatican II as an historical event in its preliminaries and in its consequences. <clears throat> Examining this aspect requires us to bring a particular decade into focus. The period between 1958, that's the year of Pius XII's death, and 1968, the date of the promulgation of Paul VI's encyclical Humanae Vitae. 1968 is also the year of the Sorbonne Revolution, which started a real moral revolution throughout Western society. But for the Catholic world, this was not only a point of departure, but also a point of arrival. It was, in fact, preceded by the revolution in mentality and customs produced by Vatican II. The revolution of 1968 certainly had a powerful impact on the church as well as on society. <clears throat> but the conciliar turning point likewise fostered the explosion of 1968 and multiplied its driving it brought about the birth of a new morality. In the last years of Pius XII's pontificate, conjugal morality was founded on the natural law and could be summed up in one point. Continence, inside and outside marriage, was considered a Christian value, while sexual union outside the sacrament of marriage was considered a grave sin. According to the Church's Magisterium, the primary purpose of marriage is procreation, which is not a purely biological act, but includes the natural and supernatural education of the children. Secondary purposes of marriage are the mutual aid of the spouses and the remedy for concupiscence. These cannot be placed before the primary purpose. They must remain on a lower level you hear that? Secondary purpose of marriage are the mutual aid of the spouses. It's the secondary purpose and the remedy for concupiscence. These cannot be placed before the primary purpose, which is procreation. They must remain on a lower level and not be separated from the generative function. Lower level but not separated. This is what all moral theologians used to teach, and all pastors and confessors referred to this doctrine expounded by the encyclicals Arcanum of Leo XIII and Casti Canovi of Pius XI, and by the teaching of Pius XII in numerous speeches given to spouses, physicians, and the Roman Rhoda. But the 1950s and 1960s saw the beginning of a process of subversion of traditional morality led by theologians such as German Jesuit Joseph uh, Fuchs, F-U-C-H-S, 1912 to 205, 2005, professor at 
the Gregorian University, and the Italian Redemptorist Domenico Capone, 1907 to 1998, professor at the Alfonsanium, but above all, the German Redemptorist Bernard Haring, 1912 to 1998, also a professor at the Alfonsianum and author of a 1954 work, Das Gesetz Christi. Um, I have to look that up to translate it. Um, G-E-S-E-T-Z, Christi, in which he tried to translate the thesis of La Nouvelle Theologiae, recently condemned by Pius XI in the encyclical Humane Generis, uh, Generis into the field of moral, mal, morality. Now, if I took the time to look up all those papers and summarize them to you, this might be clearer. But the point is that in the 60s, um, we had so-called theologians who changed and undermined the uh, primary purpose of marriage, which is procreation. Professor Matai says this, the key point of the outlook of Haring and the other innovators was, and is, the replacement of the concept of nature with that of person. According to classical philosophy, nature comes before the person. In fact, human nature is the essence of man, what he is before being a person. Man is the subject of rights and duties because he is a person, but he is a person according to his human nature. The whole of Haring's work is aimed at nullifying the natural law in the name of a Christian existential personalism. Beloved, I know a number of this and vocabulary and, and reading it so um, uh, quickly or on the pace we're at uh, can be confusing, and for most of us, we need to stop and look up all the words in a paragraph and really get them to understand it. We're not going to do that through this article, but it's enough to know that the Church, through Vatican II, embraced embraced these errant philosophers, um, uh, so-called philosophers, so that I remember in... Um, Maria Medici's article um, explaining fiducia supplicants, she said that Vatican II reduced the primary and secondary purpose of marriage. We read that, that the primary purpose of marriage is um, uh, reproduction, and the secondary purpose is unitive. Um, Humanae Vitae, uh, as good as that was, Pope Paul VI, reversed it and said, first, it's unitive, and secondly, uh, reproductive. They got it wrong. Well, for it to be unitive, any two people figure they could be unitive. They could come together. Uh, but no, the first purpose of marriage is reproductive, to grow the kingdom of God on earth, and then unitive, because that's how it's grown. But first, to understand the reproductive nature of marriage, which, as Professor Matai just told us, is beyond simply um, uh, birth, but it's the instruction, the education of the children. It's getting them to heaven. Uh, there's the music for our second break, beloved. When we come back, we'll take your calls and your emails.
Can we be happy without God? Atheists say yes, we Christians say yes, but only to a certain extent. What's our reason? There are some natural human desires that can be satisfied without living for God. The desire for sensory pleasure, success, and loving relationships. There are certain desires, however, that can't be satisfied without God. For example, we don't just desire some love, we desire infinite love, love without limit. This is manifest when we get frustrated with imperfect manifestations of it. The same is true for knowledge, justice, and beauty. Since God alone is infinite in these perfections, only He can satisfy our desires for them. Therefore, to borrow from St. Augustine, without God, our hearts would be forever restless. And my friends, a restless heart is an unhappy heart. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, catholic.com. Station of the Cross has many ways to keep you informed about our programming. You can view the highlights of our primetime programming schedule or the full 24-7 programming grid at both thestationofthecross.com or the free iCatholic Radio app. Just search under the programming tab. Our website also offers a printable version for your convenience. The Catholic Current, bringing Christ to the world and the world to Christ. You are worth my time. You're worth my undivided attention. God is blessing us by putting us uh, together. It's funny because people talk about quality time, and honestly, I think it's more about quantity time. (laughs) But if you're actually engaged with them, whatever it is you're doing, you're spending quality and quantity time with them. The Catholic Current, 5 p.m. Eastern, from the Station of the Cross and on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm so happy to be with you. We have an entire half hour left, and I didn't even realize that the video had gone out. So we're back on video now, and um, we are going to look at your calls and your emails. I think we haven't answered anything till Friday, uh, since Friday, and um, <clears throat> you have the toll-free number, one 511 and the email is mother at thestationofthecross.com. I remember beginning this long email from Benjamin on Friday, and I said I would continue it uh, on Monday, Benjamin, by apologize. It is now Wednesday, and I'm going to read it from the beginning. Benjamin says, My family, myself, my wife, and my 10-month-old son are traditional Catholics. Our priest will tell us to ignore 99% of what comes out of the Vatican, as it all belongs in the trash. Well, I said on Friday, and I will say right now, shame on your priest. That's no way to teach the faith. Um, 99% of what comes out of the Vatican is not trash. There's a a considerable um, amount of new so-called teaching and statements that have come out under this Holy Father um, and the Vatican that have uh, been dangerous and have... Uh, countered the faith of the church and led the sheep astray in our day. 
But that's not everything that comes out of the Vatican. The Vatican has been there 2,000 years. And we ourselves, the, 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 um, use the Council of Trent, the, the, um, the Catechism Explained, that's out of the Vatican, uh, 2,000 years from the Vatican. So if, if you're talking about modern day, uh, it, I wouldn't say it belongs in the trash. We just have to um, know our faith and put our thinking caps on to not believe what is not true, to not let the faith be destroyed in our family. Um, Benjamin says, my question has to do with dealing with gays and lesbians in our family. It is happening on my side of the family. My parents are Novus Ordoites. That's a new expression. In other words, they attend the Novus Ordo Mass, uh, the Mass of Vatican II. I am the only one of their four children who is a practicing Catholic. Thank God for that, Benjamin. That's a special grace to you, and God has given you a mission to be an emissary to your family. He says, both my sisters are Protestants, and my brother carries no faith. A few years ago, my niece, who is the daughter of my oldest sister, who is Protestant, decided to live a lesbian lifestyle. As they call it, she came out. And I read this because I know many families struggle with this, beloved. I know that. When this happened, she was given the green light by both my parents, both by my parents and my aunt, who's her mother, another Novus Ordite, to bring her so-called girlfriend to family events, such as Thanksgiving and Christmas. At the time, my wife and I were just discovering tradition, and I really didn't think about it much, but that has certainly changed along with many other things for us. Now we are struck, we are stuck, rather, in a situation where if we want to enjoy the holidays on my side of the family, we are forced to endure this lesbian couple that was originally told they had to act as friends only, but that is no longer the case. They live together. So when they receive gifts on Christmas, comments like, oh, we can use that uh, this way in our apartment, or from one of my parents, we got that because we knew you both like it, are made and they act slightly better than a um, out-of-control teenage couple with no supervision. My entire family, at least in, at these events, acts like they are just a normal couple now, and they rationalize it by saying they are being charitable. We disagree. I'm glad you disagree. We believe that love means willing the good of the soul, which we take to mean we cannot even act like we tolerate this kind of behavior. You're right. Um, Not a matter of tolerating, but um, it's not a matter of becoming God or the judge. It's a matter of true love to help misguided souls to the truth. If it's a matter of tolerating then you're there it's just war and it's going to be your lifestyle or opinion against theirs don't let them think it's a matter of tolerating the issue is them not you benjamin says my question is how do we deal with this type of situation our priest made it very clear that when our son reaches a certain age he said around five we cannot have him around it as we have a duty to protect his innocence well, if you have a duty to protect his innocence, and I agree, five is way too old. Two o'clock, two, two years old is old enough. Many, many things are observed by two years old, and even younger than that. While that is fine, it's not fine. While that is fine, and I agree with that, 
it's impacting my wife and me negatively now. We leave these events feeling very negative and scandalized by this. In addition, we are watching my nephews and the children of my cousins being scandalized too, which completely breaks my heart. If when we say something, it will likely cause a huge division in our family, we already decided not to invite the girlfriend to our baby shower, and that caused a big issue. So I know this is going to cause an even bigger issue. I want to tell my parents that they should have never allowed this evil to enter our family, as I truly believe they should have stood up and protected the rest of us, but they did not, and it upsets me. Don't come against your parents. The issue is this couple. Do we just say what needs to be said and accept the consequences, or is there a tactful way to handle this? I end up feeling the need to go to confession after spending any time around the lesbian fake couple because I end up having such negative thoughts afterward. I have also thought about writing a letter to both my parents and my niece explaining our beliefs and stating why we would no longer participate in this fake loving tolerance um, that the rest of our family seems to be embracing. If you write a letter, keep the word fake out because they believe it's real. And if you s- label it as fake, uh, you, you, they won't have anything to do with anything else you say. Um, because they don't believe it's fake. But I'm not sure if that's the best way to handle it. I know that if I try to speak to my parents in person, I will not be given the time to say what needs to be said. And they will spend the entire time waiting to make their next point without hearing a thing I say. <clears throat> They will likely take it as a big personal attack and decide it's because we are just rigid trads, as that terminology has been used before with us. Sorry for the long email, just something we are struggling with and thought maybe you would be a good source to shed some light on this type of situation. I am also open to any sources, videos you can point to me that cover this topic in depth. Depth. God bless Benjamin. Oh, Benjamin, um, I cannot offhand. There are good books and videos. Um, you can contact the Catholic Apostolate in Courage, and, and they may have a female end to it, or they can lead you toward books and videos, um, for sure, in Courage. Um, but, Benjamin, um, if I were you and your wife, which of course I'm not, but what I would suggest is that you write your niece and her friend a letter. Write it directly to them, not your parents, your niece and her friend. And let it be a very long, non-judgmental, loving letter telling them it's painful for you to write this because she's your family and you love her. Um, but for you to support what she, the relationship she's gotten herself into, um, is to um, form an act of hatred against her, because the life she's living will not lead them to heaven. Um, this is not your opinion. You're not. A, it's not. Has nothing to do with rad tradism. It's simply the teaching of the church for. 4,000 years, from Jesus on and before then. Um, 
a man and a man and a woman and a woman cannot come together in God's design. And I don't want to bombard you with scripture and teaching, but you, you, you could say, I'll put at the bottom of this letter, uh, scripture verses that, that show you Sodom and Gomorrah, God destroyed the entire civilization uh, throughout the, the Old Testament. Any homosexual was put to death in the New Testament. Uh, the Apostle Paul's writing, uh, 1 Corinthians, say that no homosexual, no slanderer, no gossip, murderer will, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So you can do an online search for homosexual and pick out um, a few verses, not the whole list, and say, I'm going to put these references to Scripture at the bottom of the letter so it doesn't turn off your point in the middle of the letter. And say, it breaks my heart. I'm not judging you. God has told us we cannot judge one another. And we may, he, he's speaking about the heart and the motives. But we must judge one another by our acts. I can't uh, say what's behind your acts, but we must judge your acts and then give the scripture for that. Um, where um, the Apostle Paul tells us we must judge something. And I, Second Thessalonians, First Thessalonians, and I'd have to look up the scriptures for you. But we must judge someone. And when they're in grave sin, put them out of the fellowship. And the purpose of putting them out is for discipline so that they might know what it is to be outside Christianity, outside the love of the brethren, and repent and return. All discipline is for our good, that we would return to the truth. And God has told us to put those who are in grave sin and will not repent, to put them out. Matthew chapter 18. Go to the one in sin. If they will not repent, take somebody else with you. And if they will not yet repent, tell it to the church. And if they will still not repent, they need to be put out. So um, tell it to the church means the pastor of the whatever church they're going to, even if it's Protestant. Um, but you need to explain to them that there's no nothing you won't do to help them. There's nothing you won't do to assist them. Um, out of this relationship into one of true love for God and true love for each other and say, I, I'm not writing this letter to anger you or upset you or attack you, but to let you know that love wants the best for one's soul, and the other soul. And right now, you and your partner are on your way to hell by your choice. It, you say it's not your choice because you may not believe this. I'm sure you don't believe it. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it. But this is what God has said through his church, through his scripture, you're free to turn from it, and you're free to let God love you and save you. If I can do anything to help you, anything in the world, I will. I'm leaving the scriptures below to that um, inform us of God's message. Um, not to back up what I say, but to, to, to put before you, as I've put before me, what God tells us through his scripture. There's nothing I won't do to help you, but if you continue as a couple, then I can't have part of your life. And I cannot, can no longer go to family gatherings, even if it's Christmas, where the two of you are. Um, you once agreed to not act as a couple at family gatherings, and that's very good. But you've since reversed that. 
And if you continue to live as a couple, even if you act as friends, I cannot be there if you continue to live in grave, grave sin. If either one of you dies in your sleep, you will wake up in hell. And that's not my judgment. That's what God has said. You don't have to believe it, of course. But I would be remiss and have no love for you at all if I did not point out these things. And this is my letter to you. I'm going to copy our parents on it and your mom and the family so they understand and either can join with our hearts in praying for you and helping you or at least understand perhaps our position of why we will not come to family gatherings. Um, but we will do anything to help you that we can, uh, including inviting you over for dinner if it's a matter of discussing what may help to convert your souls. Beloved, there's our break. We'll be right back. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. The Station of the Cross began broadcasting in Buffalo, New York in 1999. Since then, our listening areas have multiplied and expanded into several states. While our mission is to grow the Catholic faith through radio and other media outlets, our apostolate is supportive of but independent from your local diocese. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. When I was outside of the church, there was always an unsettled feeling. There was always a feeling of something missing and something not complete. The, the deal clincher is we found our way to our, our parish and we met just an incredible pastor. We learned things that we'd never been taught. Wouldn't be the person that I am without the church and without the sacraments, particularly the Eucharist. I can't live without it. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. Hear a powerful sermon you need to share with a loved one? Maybe there's a guest, prayer, or teaching segment that deserves another listen. You can listen to any of our network-produced programs at your convenience by finding us wherever you enjoy podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and the free iCatholic Radio app. Be uplifted in your faith. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on your favorite podcasting platform. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. Segment We have about 10 minutes, and the lines are open, and you're still welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at com. We have an email from Pat, who writes, based on what we know from Scripture, is there any chance that a sitting pope 
could ever be the Antichrist. I'm not referring to our current Pope necessarily, but more the general concept of the Antichrist potentially infiltrating the Vatican. Is this a possibility based on what we know? With mixed messaging coming from the Vatican recently, it does make me think about what would happen if we were somehow being deceived. Again, I'm not accusing the Pope, accusing Pope Francis of anything at all, but it seems that now more than ever we must be on our toes. Pat, I cannot definitively answer that. Um, I agree that now more than ever we must be on our toes, but again, our focus must be our own holiness and the restoration of our own families and our um, doing all that is needed for us to know we're on our way to heaven. Um, the idea of the Antichrist being the um, uh, the Pope, rather, being the Antichrist, I think has been around since at least the Reformation, um, uh, where the Reformers were against the Catholic Church and believed that it was of Satan uh, and all of that. Um, I think we should be on our toes. I do believe we're being deceived in this day, uh, certainly on the idea of marriage and procreation and um, the blessing of same-sex couples and I, just so many other things. Uh, if possible, uh, as I said earlier, the scriptures say that the elect could be deceived, but I don't know that it would be the Pope himself. Uh, John writes in First John that anyone who does not believe that Christ came in the flesh, is an antichrist. And he said there are many antichrists on the earth. Um, Here's a a quote from Polycarp of Smyrna, who was discipled by John the Evangelist. He said, everyone who does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is an antichrist. John chapter 4, 2 John 7. Whoever does not confess the testimony of the cross is of the devil and whoever perverts the sayings of the Lord for his own desires and says there is neither resurrection nor judgment such a one is the firstborn of Satan Um, okay let me read one more uh, quote here from Irenaeus by means of the first century by means of the events which shall occur in the time of the Antichrist it is shown that he being an apostate and a robber, is anxious to be adored as God, and that although a mere slave, he wishes to be proclaimed as king. For he, being endued with all the power of the devil, shall not come as a righteous king, nor as a legitimate king in subjection to God, but as an impious, unjust, and lawless one, setting aside idols to persuade men that he himself is God." raising himself up as the only idol. Moreover, Paul has also pointed out that this which I have shown in many ways, that the temple in Jerusalem was made by the direction of the true God, for the apostle himself, speaking in his own person, distinctly called it the temple of God, 2 Thessalonians, in which the enemy shall sit, endeavoring to show himself as Christ. But when this Antichrist shall have devastated all things in this world, he will reign for three years and six months and will sit in the temple at Jerusalem, and then the Lord will come from heaven in the clouds in the glory of the Father, sending this man 
and those who follow him into the lake of fire. So there's so many things. You could look up catholic.com on the, um, what the early church believed of the Antichrist, what is believed today. And um, there is to be a false prophet prior to the Antichrist. And um, if someone tried to prove that the current pope was the false prophet, I don't think I'd have such a defense on that because um, of the evil coming out of the Vatican under his signature. But um, it it seems that um, the seat of the Antichrist will be Jerusalem. It could even be someone Jewish. I don't know. But he will deceive the elect, and those will think he's the Messiah until he shows his colors and people learn the second half of the seven years that he is truly um, the Antichrist. Um, so that's, that's all I could say from what I've read and understand myself. If I've spoken error, somebody call and correct me on that. But I, I do not think it's the current Pope. Uh, but I do think we need to be aware and that it's possible he'd be the precursor to the Antichrist, but I don't know. Jacob writes, Mother, what is the best way for a sinner to convert? I have been trying to live a holy life for about four years. I get so discouraged because of a horrible custody situation with my six-year-old daughter. I cannot understand why God has not answered my prayers to be in my daughter's life. I know I have made and continue to make so many mistakes, but I feel I am being severely punished while my child's mother seems to only be rewarded, Jacob. Jacob, number one, trust God. Nothing touches us. Nothing happens, even if it's from the devil, that God doesn't allow. And if he allows it, if we seek him, he works it together for good. So for some reason, he allowed your separation and allowed you to not be able to see your six-year-old. Um, that has to be an extraordinarily extraordinarily painful situation. But there is something that God wants to work in you. And it is to become holy without any question at all. Um, How do you convert? To convert or to um, confess, to repent, is to do an about-face You're going in one direction, and you turn 180 degrees. You go the other direction. Um, So you can have the desire to convert, but to try to live a holy life for about four years, um, I believe you, I've been trying to live a holy life for all my years. And, And we understand that the closer we get to God, the more, by God's grace, we are able to convert the more we see our sin and the more we know how much conversion we yet need. But I would say, dear one, if you're frustrated on this and feel you're not making progress or you get discouraged, know that discouragement is always from the devil, not your circumstances, not you. It's always from the devil and he'll use your circumstances to jump in there. Discouragement is from the devil. When you get discouraged, just say, get thee behind me, Satan and strive to live your holy life. If you can possibly get a spiritual director, hopefully a priest, um, let him put you on the road 
give you a, a very good spiritual book based on your circumstances and spirituality and, and maturity and, and needs. Let him give you a book to go through with you and let him give you specific assignments that he can actually uh, have you live life not just longing to be holy, but truly making progress at being holy. To be holy doesn't mean being perfect. It means being separated from the world unto God. It means living a more consecrated life. A spiritual director can help you with that. Don't worry about God answering your prayers. He hears them and he answers them. God wants nothing more than your daughter to know her dad. But God is preparing you so that when that happens, you can be a true model for her, which apparently her mother may not be. So God bless you, Jacob. And have hope and uh, ask Our Lady to guide you to a good spiritual priest. We'll speak with you all tomorrow, God willing. God bless you.